Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today here on this Thursday. We dive back into the playoff games in the NFL this weekend. A wild night with an almost fight in the NBA. And, of course, everything going on in the hot stove. Fantasy Sports Today on this Thursday starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Happy Thursday. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia here on FNTSY Sports Grid, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe Pizzapia on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia 17 And of course, Sean Guastamacchia is our producer here on this show. It's almost decision time for us uh, on which way we're going to go in these playoff games this week. And my gosh, I am torn. I am back and forth. I am in and out. I've, I've All the analysis is in at this point. It's all in my head. I always get scared that I'm getting paralysis from overanalysis. You hear that term a lot. I kind of feel like I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm close now, Joe, here on three of the four games. I'm close on three. I feel like I don't have a clue on the final one. Um, so I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to make my best effort that before we're done either today or tomorrow to have my final opinion on these games. But I got to tell you, the home teams in this round of the playoffs have crushed it, and they've won them all. Not against the spread, but they've won. They All the home teams in this round the last few years have always won. The question is, are some of these road teams going to keep it close? So I guess we can start there. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, I guess uh, they're on this short week here. Adam Thielen got hurt in practice yesterday. They don't think it's serious. Stephon Diggs is sick, and that's where we're going to begin here with the, with the uh, Vikings and the 49ers. And so uh, I'm leaning toward taking San Francisco, Joe. Good afternoon. I'm sorry I talked for so long. That's kind of where I'm at. Well, it, it's it is you know fantasy sports day with Craig Mish, so I, I think everyone <laughs> out there expects you to talk. So right. you know, a long time there. Sorry, well, it's all right. Well, I mean, it, clearly you are paralysis by analysis because you can't even break the uh, the opening of the segment here without diving th- back I'm into th- it. Thinking about it, I keep thinking about it. You know, you're thinking out loud. You're thinking silently. You're maybe you're overthinking. Maybe you're underthinking. Who knows? There's a lot of information to dig in. The Adam Thielen uh, injury as well. This ankle that I guess he kind of tweaked in practice, but. I mean, he is still limited participant. I know Diggs is not, you know, feeling well. And but look, you know, when it comes down to game time, everybody shows up and then you're all going to play. So I don't think you worry too much about that at this point. But yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand the thought process. You have more time to marinate on less games. I know. And that is always a dangerous, dangerous thing. So I don't think you should overthink it. In the AFC, I don't see anything to overthink whatsoever. I, I think in the NFC, I think you can overthink that because the there's an unpredictability factor with the Minnesota Vikings where they can come out and look like absolute trash, and then they can come out and they can beat the Saints in their own building. And that is the thing that should give you pause and should give you worry. And in terms of the Green Bay Packers, I think this is a team that we thought all year was a bit of a paper tiger, a team that I think you could make arguments caught a lot of teams at the right time. And yes, although they did play some really good defense at the beginning and the end of the season, the middle of the season defensively, they were a little questionable. So 
you can make a case for the Seattle Seahawks going in and winning that football game. I think that's probably the the more unlikely scenario is you're getting more than one upset. You're right. Um, I would think that all four of these home teams are home teams for a reason this year. And I think yeah. when you look at the teams they're stacking up, they are lesser talent teams or, or teams like the Seattle Seahawks who have just been kind of broken apart by injuries. To me, NFC is going to have your upset. It's going to be one of those two. I don't know if you're going to get all four of the favorites here at home winning and all four going on. I think that's unlikely. Somebody's going to get upset. You got one I just there, don't huh? see it coming. I don't see it's coming from the AFC. I just don't. I'm sorry. Those two teams, I think, are just significantly better than their opponents. I'll tell you how I feel about it now so far. Um, I feel like so far for me on Saturday at 430 Eastern. Uh, which game, by the way, is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm I don't even know what's going okay. on. Anymore. I, I, I feel OK. So I feel like Saturday. The uh, Titans and Baltimore Ravens are going to play an under 47. That's how I, I feel. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of running in that game. And I don't think Tennessee can get outside of their game plan and have a shot in this game based on what I saw from Tannehill against New England last week. So I think that that is playing toward an under. I think Kansas City is going to kill Houston. I, I don't. I, I, I agree I, with that notion. I, I, I don't give Houston a chance. And I'm and all year long, Joe, we've done this show. When do I ever take a big favorite? Never, never. No, don't, I, I don't think I've done it in ever. three months. I got to do ever. it. I cannot take Houston in this spot. Uh, that's the second one. Well, you're also got Andy Reid coming off a bye. So Andy Reid coming off the third one. I, I think in the end. Okay, so the first game. Um, that's that's where I'm backwards here. The first game is Minnesota, San Francisco. And that's part of my think, thought process here. I don't think I'm going to take Minnesota here. I think I'm going to take San Francisco. I think that the game could end up right on that number of seven. I don't have a good feeling of the total because the first half of the season, the 49ers were the best defensive team in the NFL. And the second half of the season, they were the worst defensive team in the NFL. So I don't know. Um, and I don't know which Minnesota team is going to show up. Are these dudes going to play? Diggs and Thielen. Thielen, by the way, Tom Pelissaro reported this morning, has a bad cut on his leg. He's questionable for the game. Diggs is sick. I mean, I don't know. Like that's that's big factors. We're sitting here on Thursday. We're two days. Well, you're also getting some other big factors. Getting guys like Juan Alexander back, who had missed significant time for the 49ers, and and getting little pieces like that. Well, he's not a little piece, but getting pieces like that back are going to make an impact in that game if he's healthy enough to really go. I think the 49ers could match them on the ground. I think that they could really have a good game plan. And by the way. I mean, can the Vikings the go? The 49er for- game has the most outcomes. You know, I, I'm, I have no I idea. Think we, I think you're right on the AFC. It, it does feel like it's. it might be like an, maybe that. I, I think Tennessee could cover that game. I think Tennessee could cover that game. They I think can they because can they can run the football. Exactly. I, think that's, I, I that's don't think Houston can cover. I, I don't see I don't see them cover. And so, I don't and, and so I'm leaning games. that way. I'm leaning. I'm leaning toward taking the 49ers. So, you know, the, the, and by the way, Minnesota was in New Orleans like five days ago. And so they had like two days of practice. They had to go today to San Francisco. They had to cr- travel across the country and they got to play that early game there on Saturday. It's like not even fair to them. That's I guess when you're the sixth seed, that's what has to happen. Their, their scheduling is brutal. This is not a good schedule for them. Uh, I don't know, I maybe think, less time for them to have paralysis by analysis is a good thing too. You know, well, for me, it's for me, it would be better for them. I don't know. <laughs> and then, and then I, and then of the four games, there is no doubt in my mind, no question in my mind that, the Green Bay Seattle is a, is a coin flip. There is no doubt that that is the one that I don't feel bad about at all. Come Sunday, because I am literally going to be flipping that coin. Like Seattle, who the bleep knows? Like they play great. They played horrible against Philadelphia. Green Bay, the most overrated team in the NFL by far. I think they've given up more yards than they've gained, and they won twelve or thirteen games this year. So I could absolutely see Green Bay winning. I could absolutely see Seattle winning. I could see it going over. I could see it going under. I just. 
Well, if Seattle, I'll tell you what, if Seattle wins and the 49ers win, we get a third game between the the rubber match, as it were, between the 49ers and Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. That's going to be great because you certainly can make an argument in Week 17 that Seattle had that game in hand despite all the injuries they had and should have won that football game. So they really should be up to nothing on the 49ers. So each team went into the other person's building and won. And to have an NFC Championship game rubber match between these two division foes would be really fun football to watch. I think that would be outstanding. Uh, I don't think the league is rooting for the Viking Seahawks necessarily <laughs> to be that. But if you get the Seahawks and make it into the Super Bowl and you get a, a La, Russell Wilson and either Lamar or Patrick Mahomes uh, Super Bowl from a quarterback star standpoint, I don't think it gets much better than that, do you? No, it could end up being a great game. It also could end up being a horrible game like the Philadelphia game last week. I'm just I, Green Bay could struggle on offense. Rodgers could complete 40% of his passes. It's, it's very in flux for me in that one. The only great thing is that you get all the good pageantry of it playing in Green Bay and Lambert Field. All right, coming up next, it's time for the opening drive. Football, baseball, basketball, we got it all. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. From the opening play and all the way for a touchdown. This is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports today for January 9th, 2020. Craig Miss Joe Pizzapia with you back here on the show. Full-time fantasy and Dr. Roto coming your way at 2 o'clock Eastern. Let's get started with the NBA. Very rare start with the NBA last night. Got to do this one, though. This is beyond basketball. Uh, TJ Warren of the Indiana Pacers, who honestly, full transparency, never knew existed until last night's game. That's the kind of NBA fan I am. Uh, but and, and by the way, didn't even watch when this was going on. And I saw after. So during the game, Joe, T.J. Warren and Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat got into it a little bit. A couple of fouls, a couple of technical fouls. Jimmy Butler outside the three point line bumps into Warren. He gets called for the offensive foul. Warren flips him the bird, starts going after him. They double technical Warren, throw him out of the game. Butler blows kisses as Warren as he's leaving. And in the post game. <laughs> goes berserk saying he can't guard me he's soft he shouldn't be on me their coaching staff should never put him on me because he is trash and then goes on instagram and circles the date when they're gonna play again next my gosh great theater last night from jimmy butler yeah look you know i kind of miss the days where you know when these things happen bill lambier or somebody would punch somebody in the face you know that was the nba i grew up with which was pretty fun there were circumstances if you flip somebody the bird chances are you were eating their hand uh, but I, yeah, it's kind of fun. I kind of like the little Instagram post on the back end as like a teaser for the sequel. That's kind of fun. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of fake tough guy social media, 
But hey, you know, it's it's cute. I like it. It's good. It's I like a good story. It seems like a good story. And it seems like TJ Warren was probably pretty frustrated that he couldn't guard uh, Jimmy Butler. And that might seem like what's going on. But I, I like when I miss rivalries in sports. I miss when you got excited to watch the Yankees and Red Sox play. I I miss back in the day when you were excited to see certain NFL teams match up against each other because, you know, they didn't like each other. And that, you know, there seems to be less and less of that because of free agency and less and less of that because of just the modern era of, you know, everyone's millionaires are making a ton of money. And a lot of times those guys who, you know, were winning football games and winning playoff games, it mattered more because those that bonus money that they got was significant to their annual salary. Now it's like a pittance compared to what some of these guys are making. So they don't really care as much about all that stuff. So winning mattered a lot more. Therefore, you fought to win a little bit harder than I think you do nowadays. So it's kind of nice whenever you see something heating up. And if these two teams kind of get a real rivalry off of this individual rivalry, I'm all for it. Yeah, I I think it's cool. We are missing those days, Joe. Um, You know, but look, I mean, as a kid, I remember nothing was hotter. I mean, for like I said, for me as a kid, this is my perspective. Cardinals Mets in the mid 80s 85 86 87 was just red hot like i i remember like just being glued to the television and then subsequently mets braves for me was like that oh too. yeah yeah um, the, the I know, were great yeah. yeah did you have one in particular as a kid that was just like the world stopped for you as a kid when there was a rivalry it could be you know it could be celtics lakers i don't know what it, you know everybody uh, yeah i mean the bull you know i think everybody when I was younger, was gravitated to all of the Bulls series, whoever they fought with. Well, Bulls-Knicks was a great rivalry, even Pist- though the Bulls-Pistons Bulls Bulls was, um, you know, uh, Heat-Knicks. Heat, Heat, Heat Heat-Knicks was a good, that's an underrated one. That is, you yeah. know, we should do a show, maybe we should do a segment about some of the great rivalries we miss that yeah. don't exist anymore. That would be fun. Well, we certainly have the time here in January. That's, for that's sure. what I'm saying, baby. Mark it down. Put it in the bin. Put it in, right. the, uh, in the bid bin. Uh, second down here, Jake Fromm, quarterback at Georgia, had a nice career, no question about it. One of the nicest humans, by the way, in college football as well. Very well thought of by a lot of people. Uh, Joe, he leaves Georgia, not a huge surprise, enters the NFL draft. Let's also be real, he had a ton of talent in front of him, behind him, and ahead of him. <laughs> he had arguably the best running back in college football, right. the best offensive tackle in pro football, and a lot of good quarter, a lot of good uh, receivers as well in college football. Uh, I watched uh, Jake from a lot, Joe. I'm going to guess that he's probably going to go in the second or third round of the NFL draft, but I'm not sure that that Jake Fromm is going to uh, have a have a great NFL career. Uh, we've been wrong in the past. We'll be wrong in the future. We'll be wrong in the present on him. Uh, I would say that he is probably, if I had to guess, a better Minshew. Maybe I'd put him a notch above Minshew. Hey, that'll play though. So if you, you feel like that's that. good, then that's what I think he is. You can win 10 games with that. I think you can win 10 games with Minshew if you have the right support on defense and some other spots for him. Um, you know, the thing I like about Minshew is that energy level he brings, which I think is is just sorely missed from a lot of quarterbacks. And he has that. Uh, looking at some of the mocks this morning before we went on, and I see Justin Herbert going in different spots. I see him, you know, not as early as... I know you're not, and that's why I was curious because I just saw a draft this morning from someone that I, you know, respect in the industry and... Uh, Going round one, pick seven to Carolina. Not a fan. With the new head coach. I'm not a fan of that either. And I'm looking at him and Fromm, and I'm thinking, okay, if one of them goes in the first round, it's probably going to be Herbert. But I don't think either of them would be good first-round selections. I could see Fromm going in the second round because I think some team some team will like him more than more enough to and, and have a need that they'll go out there and I think maybe push the envelope for him a little bit. But he is not what I'm most excited about recently is Cole Komet coming out because – 
I watched him play at Notre Dame, and I was super impressed. And he is that fun, big, pass-catching tight end. And uh, I'd like to see a lot more of those in the NFL because we could certainly use some help at the tight end position. But Fromm will be a second-round pick. I don't think he's sounds like third. It. I really yeah, don't. I mean, Love is another one that's going to be out there, but he's... How know, would you rank those three? You're Mr. College Football. I, I, I think Love is a second-round pick that if he fell to the second round, that I would be interested in taking a shot over Herbert and over Fromm. The issue that I had is that when, when people were saying Love should be like the first pick in the draft, that was ridiculous, or even a first-round pick. What's going to happen is, not to use the pun, but someone, Joe, is going to fall in love with Love at the combine. Oh, boo, dad jokes. Yeah, it's that's going to happen, and someone's going to take him in the top twenty. And and uh, listen, after what happened with Lamar Jackson this year, not that Love is Lamar Jackson at all, but teams are going to be a lot more bullish on moving up in the draft after seeing that, and after seeing the way that Mahomes played. And so, I don't think he's going to last. So, I would not rank Fromm ahead of Love. I would not rank Herbert ahead of Love. I would like to see those guys slip a little. There'll be some other quarterbacks, by the way, that I'm gonna that I'll dive into as we get deeper into it that I may like above these guys that go later in the draft. Uh, third down, Larry David of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I believe is back here on HBO very soon, either this weekend or next. I know it's back. Uh, he went on uh, the Michael K. show in New York and said that he called the former Jets general manager and told him that he, they needed to draft Lamar Jackson. How about that one? Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good analysis there from Larry David, I would say. I saw, I saw the little clip there and um, and, and, opposed, and they asked him, well, what did he say when you said that? And McCagley laughed at him and dismissed him and all that stuff. And and, you know, look, he's not the only one. I mean, Scott Bogman, who covers college football, he and I had numerous podcasts we did together leading up to that draft. And both of us felt like he was a top five pick because of what the potential was. And we all thought he would slip. None of us thought he would slip that far. But um, obviously, Baltimore liked him enough. And, you know, it's kind of a fun story to, to everybody look back. And he was a very polarizing player. And that's what you get. And for everybody who you know, likes one player and thinks they're going to be good, they end up being wrong. And then you know, like that guy never becomes anything. But L- Lamar Jackson's become is absolutely special. And it's fun that Larry David, of all people, it sounds like a Seinfeld episode. I mean, it sounds like it a of enthusiasm where he's yeah. like, you know, I think you should, uh, I think you should pick that guy. And he goes, hey, okay, whatever. All right. Larry, he laughed, okay, at him. Larry. Yeah, he laughed, yeah, he laughed at him. And then there he is. And he's sitting there and they're in, and they're in the box together later on and they play that curb your enthusiasm music after yeah. Lamar Jackson runs for a 50 yard <laughs> touchdown right and he turns and looks at him and he goes da, 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 yeah, da, da. I love it I love it I love it alright real quick here fourth down uh, new BB-8 type device CNN reports is ready to help you around the house Joe take pictures a uh, little uh, little uh, yellow robot here looks like going to be following you around maybe it can uh, pick things up clean some things it'll serve as a little personal assistant if you have any questions about things joe are we ready for this kind of artificial intelligence so it's basically like an artificial intelligence dog but it's helpful instead of making a mess and stuff like that it that sounds kinda, right that right. sounds right does, does it sense like a dog senses like when you're unhappy and will come over and you know lick your face too or something like that or i mean i don't know i'm, I'm starting i saw this whole automated pizza thing that was going on right. this morning on the internet did you see that i'm sure yes, that I was did. like flying yeah. around and i'm just like you know what there's always going to be a need for humans to have humans. It's nice to have some artificial intelligence. Look at this technology helping us every day uh, be together with, you know, millions of people. And I um, look, I think there's a certain line where I, I just I still like human beings to a certain extent. And I still like the the interactions of that. It would be nice to have something that help clean. I guess I can understand that. But I, I don't Absolutely. know. Isn't that a Roomba? Isn't that already exist? I don't I, it does feel like it. It's like an, an advanced Roomba. 
like a does. Roomba that has an alarm system that sets off or, it's, or it's it's you really it sends you good Florida man stories throughout the day that's what <laughs> I need I need those <laughs> alright we'll take a time out coming up next we'll dive into some uh, baseball news some fantasy baseball news a little bit later in the show we'll do some hitters in the NFBC according to their ADP we'll ask Joe will these players go higher or lower when draft season really kicks off in February and March you're listening to Fantasy Sports Today Craig and Joe with you here on this Thursday don't go away DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to be the next daily fantasy legend? Go for the green with DailyRoto.com this fantasy golf season for a limited time. Get free access to Daily Roto's PGA DFS product, including fantasy projections powered by Data Golf, PGA betting tools, and of course, DailyRoto.com fantasy golf optimizer don't lay up go for the green with daily roto head over to dailyroto.com enter the promo code green to access your free seven-day golf membership that is dailyroto.com promo code green for your free trial dailyroto.com you know what that's where millionaires are made and welcome back to the show other millionaires are made in baseball as well and perhaps fantasy baseball if you're playing in one of those super high stakes leagues i don't i don't think that there's a million dollar league out there joe is there even in dfs for baseball uh, you know, I don't think million. I don't no, think that's so. I think about it. No, I mean, there's some big, big money ones. I mean, at FBC, yeah, 100, got, uh, 200 grand. Oh, yeah, sure. You know, and and there are some there are some private leagues that I know play for a lot of money as well. And I'll tell you what, I, I was very lucky last year for this network. I got to sit and do the NFBC coverage. It was myself. It was Brad Ziegler. We had yeah. Greg helped uh-huh. out. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, who else was this? Uh, uh, oh my God! Who else? There was somebody else there too with us. Oh, Frank, Frank Stample. Yeah, Frank Stample. And um, and it was great fun and, and getting to talk to those guys and then their strategies and their outlooks. I, I thought it was a really fun educational thing because NFBC is a little different because it's a high stakes format and you could see NFBC grow exponentially over the last decade. Uh, you know it, that has been an incredible thing where even though baseball interest has has ticked down a little bit in terms of fantasy, the high stakes interest in baseball has rocketed which i think is fascinating <laughs> yeah they had more people play uh all time last year and they did tom kesnick let me know that by the way all right uh let's get to some uh news there was one signing i mean we're down to the end here because outside of the big names in terms of the hot stove i i'm gonna guess that we, we probably see this the same way donaldson ozuna castellanos and Puig, are those the four biggest for you out there? Those are the four left. I mean, there could be a trade, of course, but like those they are. The and I'll tell you what, I don't think Puig signing almost anywhere changes his profile in the black book. Donaldson, if he goes back to Atlanta, it's pretty much the same profile. I wouldn't change it much. If he goes to the Twins, I don't know. It's still a good lineup support. I don't think that makes an impact. Castellanos, I think just getting out of Detroit was all he needed to do. Now, if he goes and says Chicago, that'd be great. If he ends up in a weird hitter ballpark or something like that, or in a bad lineup, or, you know, I don't want to, you know, throw stones, but 
if you sign with the Marlins, let's say, or a team like that that's in a retool rebuild, I don't know if I love that necessarily. Even if they bring the fences in, that is going to give him a little hit in profile. But Ozuna is the one guy where his profile kind of does depend on where he ends up. Whereas the other three, I kind of feel like you pretty much know what they are. I don't think you can expect the same second half from Cassianos, no matter, you know, as extrapolated over a full season for the last year. But I just think getting out of Detroit and getting any kind of line of protection was just a significant upshoot for him. So chances are he'll line up in somewhere that will give him something close to that at the very least. But I think it's Ozuna that really is, though. That's the one wild card in terms of how does this profile change where he ends up? Because most of the time that's overrated. And that's the plus of the Black Book is I got the book's been out for, I don't know, 10 days or 11 days, whatever it is. I've already done three updates to the book. So when you're buying the Black Book, you're getting the most updated version of whatever it is, whereas the stuff on newsstands is not. You can't update that. It's out there. It's been out there six weeks before Christmas time, so they could go into publishing. And we're always hot off the presses every week and the RPV changes. So if you do the RPV cheat sheets, you get that updated, too. So we always like to keep everybody as prepared as they can be for the moment of whatever draft they have that day. Especially if you have the book in your hands. It's coming. Winter is coming. I already sent it to you. I know. I'm waiting. It's out. All right. I, sent, all right. I sent you even the thing of said when it's coming to you. I know, you know you did. I know you did. All right. So we talked about bullpen guys a couple of weeks ago and where they could end up and whether or not they could get saves. Will Harris ended up in Washington. Daniel Hudson ended up in Washington. Um, you know, we had some other guys go off the board as well. There are not many left here and there's not many like save situations. I don't think left like there were when we did this, when we did this exercise. But Hector Rondon, who had a couple of good years with Houston, former closer with the Cubs, ends up going to Arizona. I suppose there's probably like a 20% chance that Rondon leads the Diamondbacks and saves, but I will say this. I like what Arizona is doing. I really think that this they have a chance to maybe win 90 games. I mean, adding Bumgarner, adding Calhoun, adding Rondon, they've done a good job, Joe. The Diamondbacks could be okay. I would not rule them out of anything. They, I mean, they trade Goldschmidt. It looks like they're they're rebuilding, and they're right back where they were. Well, I think the Diamondbacks were more okay last year than people realize. And the, the they took a huge hit over the Goldschmidt trade because they didn't get enough. And I think everybody realized they, they had a choice to make. They could either take what they could get, whatever the market value was, or they could go into the season and run the risk of what if Goldschmidt gets hurt, what if he underperforms, and everything goes away. Now, part of the reason they are on the upswing is Cattell Marte and how good can he be next year. And Eduardo Escobar had a season that – Look, two years ago, I thought he had a good year, and I was like, well, okay, this is a nice player, and then he had a spectacular year last year, and you're wondering, okay, <laughs> where are we going with this? That's another guy that would be very polarizing. Oh, Peralta's always been a good hitter. Oh, his but problem last is staying year, on the, oh my gosh, he was but incredible. His, his, well, two years ago, he was incredible. Last year, he was hurt a lot, and what that's did, always the thing of Peralta. Didn't he win the gold glove last year? Yeah, but that, you know, gold gloves are great for real baseball and fantasy. I think everyone. No, I know. <laughs> rather he's still get a really good player. I mean, a gold glove award he winning. He is, but he can't play 99 guy. games and and be a great player. That's the problem. And then last year he played 99 games. Uh, the year before that. Maybe that's um, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're thinking two years ago when he hit um, 30 and 87 and he hit 293 and, and all that. So that that's what you're thinking of. And that was a great year in 2018. But yeah, you're right. You start to look at this roster and you go, okay, they, they've got some bats in here. They and certainly pitching got too. And they've also moved on from mistakes. Jake Lamb was a guy that was, it was just never going to happen. He so. couldn't hit left-handed pitching. He couldn't stay healthy. Just move on. Um, you know, they, they, they took some heat for the DD Gregorius trade. They took some heat for the Segura trade, but look, that brought back Kettle Marte. They've done very well. It's, I think that, I think the Diamondbacks are one of the most underrated, smart organizations in baseball. I really, I do. think you're right. I, I'll tell you what too, that Zach Gallon is an intriguing one too, because there's, too. there's a guy that you acquired who I look at him and I say, all right, if Bumgarner, 
is still a front of the rotation guy. Maybe he's not a dominant starting pitcher, but he's at least a number, you know, a low end number one for you compared to the league. If Robbie Ray can just kind of be the same guy he's been and Gallon can really step up and fill that void of being a true number three, because I don't like Mike Leak. I'm sure you don't either. Just far too hittable of a pitcher. And yeah, that but, he's a, he, but everyone knows what he is now. He's a crafty four, veteran. Five, he'll have it. some good games. Innings, he'll keep innings. innings. Right. Give me I innings. hear you. I hear you. But Zach Gallon's the one guy that if you get a good season out of Zach Gallon, that changes the dynamic quite a bit for this rotation. And I don't see how, you know, Rondon gets to a big save mark unless there's an injury for RG Bradley. I actually wanted them to go out and be a little bit more aggressive. I thought Dakota Hudson would be the guy they'd go after after Will Smith signed. I thought that was, you know, where they Dakota were going. Hudson? What, in a trade, you mean? Um, the no, uh, yeah, no, no, not um. Oh, oh Daniel Hudson. Daniel yeah, Hudson. Hudson. Pardon okay. me. I'm sorry. I, I screwed up. Uh, Daniel Hudson was the guy that I thought they should go after because I don't think Bradley's going to be their closer. Well, who's going to be? I don't know, but I don't think I don't think their closer has, has emerged. I don't think their closer has emerged yet. I think we'll, we'll, that will be. I think Bradley could open up as the guy. I don't think that at the end of the season he'll end up being. Bradley the guy. has the profile in terms of the strikeouts. The problem is you'd like the walk rate to be a little bit less. I don't and think he has the stomach for it. I, I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't blame me. I, I don't think you're wrong. I just don't know if Rondon is. The, I mean, look, now that he's there, you have to pay attention to Did it. Yoan Lopez. That. I think that Yoan Lopez is a name that's interesting. Rondon's name is interesting too. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they get somebody else or they sign someone. This you know, Yoan Lopez was a guy that I screwed around with last year a little bit and had some shares in like the my twenty fourteen dynasty league just to see like all right, this is good, a guy. But not great. Yeah. No, and that's the thing. It's like I don't know who's gonna step into that void. Now here look, here's the thing. This is a team that's a perfect example of they could be in it and go out there and make a move for exactly a right. high leverage reliever. That's exactly right. That's so exactly keep that right. in mind. If you yeah. are an Archie Bradley owner, that could happen. I to you. think that would be a mistake taking Bradley as your closer in fantasy this year. That that would be, um, I agree you know, my, for my many reasons. He could lose that job. Yeah. I just, I'm not, I, I, I mean, I like him in the seventh and the eighth. And I think that, and he had that one magical year. I think it was like three years ago where he was unhittable, but I'm not going to be uh, in on him, but I like the pitching staff. We didn't even mention Robbie Ray, whatever you want to say about him. He's still at the worst, a three starter or a four starter. Well, Robbie Ray's the splits. That's the thing with Robbie Ray is where well, you getting home. Robbie Ray, you're getting road. Robbie Ray, who are you getting? And, and you know, the guy's a strikeout machine, which is great in fantasy, but can you handle the four, three ERA and the, and the one, three, five whip? <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta like choose your, 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 no, for sure. but, but in, in baseball, and you know, let's you let's go. Bumgarner, Ray, Gallon. Would you say that those are their top three? Am I, sure. Am I, I would. Okay. I wouldn't put Leak as the three. Okay, right. Gallen so Leak's a solid four guy, just getting you 170 innings, which is what he mm-hmm. does everywhere: Seattle, St. Louis, everywhere. Uh, Giants, Reds. How many teams has that guy been on? So uh, <laughs> the the what what's what Arizona has is probably in terms of a rotation, not in the bottom half, bottom 15. Probably not in the top half of the top, but they're like right down the middle. And with a little bit of a bump and guys overachieving a little bit, it gets Arizona to where they were. I think there's a chance they win 90 games. I do. How do you feel then about a lot of the rumors that they're very open to trading Robbie Ray still? Well, they have Duplantier also in the minors. They have some other guys that they like. I, I would be fine with it. I would be fine with it. Well, they moved like they've moved on from a lot of. I mean, Taiwan Walker was another guy that they thought was going to be something. It just never happened. It seems like a smart team, Joe. The guys that they moved away from have not really done much. The guys that they've acquired have done better. It's almost like a Tampa Bay situation. So, yeah, it is. It seems like every time you go, oh, I can't believe they did that. They get better. Yeah, they did. Look, I know why Miami made the deal. They really like the shortstop that they got back in return. They think he's going to be like Didi Gregorius, which we'll have to wait and see. We'll have we can't judge that yet. uh, Jazz Chisholm. But uh, but listen, guys on the Marlins told me they thought Gallon. Uh, the Marlins felt like Gallon was a three-four type pitcher at best. 
Um, I had people tell me inside on the Marlins, you know, you know, players on the Marlins told me they thought Gallon could be a two on any rotation. So look, we'll, we'll Gallon the, reminds me of a Zach Wheeler type guy. Like he's going to have runs where he looks unbelievable, and then runs where he looks pedestrian. That's that's what I've seen so far out of him. I think he's going to get problem. hit sometimes. He's going to get hit, right? Yeah. So does Wheeler. <laughs> like yeah, you look yeah. up, you're like, why the hell is that happening? And then other games where nobody can touch him. But the only other guy in this team that I would just caution people about is Christian Walker because I know he had a very good overall season. You look at the numbers; they're there. He had a red hot April, and after that, when you peel yeah, deeper into the stats in the black book, yeah. he's another guy that like the splits don't love him. You could see a big regression there. So they can. What's the alternative there without Googling? Uh, I guess you could flex Cole Calhoun over there to first base a little bit. Or nah, he's a good defender. Yeah, I don't see that. Well, maybe they'll have to acquire some. So you know, listen. I'm Jake Lamb still on the forty man. <laughs> he is. I thought that they let him go. Did they actually finally let him go? I wasn't I sure they, if they. Still I had... thought they let Jake Lamb go. Yeah. It's possible. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, a lot on the Diamondbacks this segment. Interesting discussion. We'll uh, take a quick timeout. We'll come back and uh, go over some hitters in the NFBC. They've had about forty or fifty drafts. It looks like here in the early part of January. We've got some established ADP. Will these players go higher, lower, or the same? in standard drafts coming up in February and March, and we'll illustrate some of the opinions on that coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's Craig and Joe here with you, and we're in the midst of some fun fantasy baseball discussion. Uh, Can't wait to dive more into this as we get closer. I've kind of uh, let my feelings know on it. There is no bigger... Uh, fan of baseball or even fantasy baseball than me. I mean, I've been at this now for a long period of time, but I also understand and respect people who uh, don't draft, don't do any of these high stakes leagues in January, don't do any best ball drafts. It's the same feeling that I have on football. Uh, as much of, as I want to talk baseball and as much as I am into it, I also do get that uh, football is still the king right now. You got some huge games coming up this weekend and the college football championship game historically speaking for my coverage and for myself in the past and the last 10 years of doing this on national radio it has usually been the um the after the college football championship is complete is usually when i've is usually when i've moved over more toward baseball so you can expect next week us to really take that next step uh okay so in the nfbc uh let's go through this joe here a little bit and what we're going to do here for this segment is we're going to run through the top 100 hitters uh, in the NFBC. And what we'll do is I will ask you, and then I'll give my opinion, on whether or not this player is going to be drafted higher in March, whether he's going to be going lower in March, meaning not at the top but toward the bottom, or if you think that it's irrelevant and it'll just be the same because there will be a lot of these guys that the ADP won't move at all. It's like a point spread. It will just stay exactly the same. So let's go through it. A player that I think that everybody is going to want to have one share of this year. If they're playing in five leagues, you're probably going to want to have this guy in one. If you're playing in four, you're probably going to want just to see what happens. And that is Fernando Tatis Jr., 
who is already has his ADP at 18, which is basically a second round pick in almost every Roto fantasy draft in the NL. It's going to be a lot higher. Stolen bases, Joe, the one key element to this, if Tatis steals 20 or 30, he's going to be a monster in fantasy this year. Will he go higher in March? Will he go lower in March? Will he be the same? Well, I'll tell you what. I would rather have him than Trey Turner, which I know sounds crazy to a lot of people. But Trey Turner has been a guy that has a checkered past. I'm sorry. He just has. And, and you know, I, you mentioned yesterday, well, some of those injuries are kind of fluky. They are, except for the style of play, usually is the reason for the injury. And I look at the body type. I look at the style of play. And this is the stuff that kind of goes a little further than the stats. And I look at Tatis, and he seems more like that total package kind of guy. You look at the body type. You look at the style of play. And it doesn't concern me the same way the frame concerns me of Trey Turner. So I look at Tatis as a player who right now is at 18, and the guys you're talking about in that same range are Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rendon. And from a Roto perspective and 5 by 5 Roto, I think he's going to inch up ever higher. I think you're going to see him go at the turn. I think he's going to go as high as 12, 13 at some point because you look at Turner kind of being in that same range. I believe as time goes on, as we get closer and closer because of the power speed combination, because San Diego, I think, is going to be a team that people start to readjust their brains about, too. And I think that takes a long time. I mean, or uh, trying to remember the last time San Diego was any good, really any good, has been a very long time. I mean, you got to go back to the Adrian Gonzalez years, and even some of that was pretty lean. Yeah. But they, they they really have not been a good organization for quite some time. So now we have to wrap our mind around it. It's okay to be in on Paddock. It's okay to be in on Machado in year two of that deal. It's okay to start looking at San Diego as a viable contender in that division. Because well, I think I'll, they are. Yeah, well, I'll explain to you the situation with the Padres. This is this is this is the baseball side of what's going on here. And and you know this as well as I do, and then maybe you don't know the end game, but this is the end game to this. So A.J. Preller takes over as the general manager of the Padres, which, of course, you know. And A.J. Preller goes out. He gets James Shields. He gets Matt Kemp. He gets uh, Justin Upton. He makes all these these moves. You remember it. Oh, and, yeah. And, and they try to win. They do it for one year, right? And it doesn't work at all. It's a complete bust. Complete disaster. Complete yeah. bust. So then the Padres go under for several years, right? Several years of no winning. They come out from the slumber of building the farm system, which is what a lot of people do in their rebuild. Three years, by the way, of this. Three years of rebuild. In year four, they sign Eric Hosmer. Okay, so that's the first piece of them trying to build back the puzzle. Uh, they add a couple of pieces last year. You saw Tatis come up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you saw you, they signed Machado. What was the end result of them in this rebuild, Joe? A failure again last year. A failure. They didn't win enough games. Uh, who takes the blame for this? The manager. Right. They fire Andy Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring in a new manager, uh, Tingley, which is basically a handpicked guy from Preller to be their manager. And they make these moves. Why do they do this, Joe? Because there is no GM that's on the hot seat more that needs to win now than A.J. Preller. This is it. If oh, I, pod- and I agree. And I think that's the Tommy Fam deal, too. <clears throat> Tommy Fam too. Same thing. They have to win. Another- the Padres must be out of their rebuild. And they must win. I don't know what number to put it. They must have a five games. That's the exact number I was thinking. I think eighty five puts you in the. You're not. No one's getting fired. We're a competitive team. We're on the press. We're we're on the come. We're not going backwards. Has to be this year. 
has to be this year for the they, they yeah, cannot it can't be, be 500. No, no. And, and I think but they were hamstrung from the get go last year because you have uh, the best pitcher on your team. You knew wasn't going to throw more than 150 innings in Paddock. So if Paddock is ready to go 170 innings this year and Lucchese pretty good and Denilson Lamette looked good at times last year, especially towards the end. And that was a little funny, low key signing. Nobody talked about last year was Garrett Richards, who was going to miss an entire year. And now he's back. We'll see what you get out of him. It's about the fact that they had no pitching. They were, you know, the Kirby Yates had a great year and now they got Pomeranz in there. You're right. They're, they're in it right now. And I think they smell blood too, because you look at what the giants have not done this off season. <laughs> you realize that, Hey, we can, you know, maybe we can't beat the Dodgers, but we can compete in the wild card because we might be better than the Rockies. We might be better than the Diamondbacks, and we're certainly better than the Giants. Right. So all of this, so all of that has to come to to fruition this year. There's going to be a massive overhaul uh, with San Diego. Well, I think Tatis goes up. He can't go up too much more, but I think he's going to. He's start not going down. Turn. You're right. He's not going. Down. I think. I think you're looking at him at 12, 13, 14. As, as when you when you start to turn the page, he's a guy that's going to go at right. the turn. Yeah, you, you, I agree. And 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 again. What's going to happen is is that you'll be and you, not you, but people in general will be participating in their fantasy leagues, and maybe you you have done a couple, you did not get him, and then in your third league you reach up and you push his ADP up because you're like, I want him in this league, I want to have him in one league. Right? And not not oh, everybody plays the recharge for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt he's going to be a reach player. Okay, uh, Jose Altuve is now uh, 31. So Altuve for years, first round pick, first round pick, second round pick. Uh, starting to dip and slip a little bit, and he, his ADP is 31. Joe, we don't know about the sanctions that are going to happen with the Astros, and so I, I think that there has got to be a piece of that factored into this conversation because we simply don't know. And as you've said, and which is true, he got hit on the road too, no question. <laughs> but their manager could be at risk. Their general manager could be at risk. Who knows? The perception could be at risk. Altuve is also getting a little bit older. But we've seen players have that one renaissance-type year I don't know if Altuve is still going to steal bases anymore. I'm not really sure, but let's dive into this one at 31. Will he go higher? Will he go lower? Or will he be the same in March? Well, I think like most players, as they start to get into their late 20s, early 30s, and you're starting to see it with Trout even, the stolen bases go away. You know, if, if he steals 10 bags, that'd be a lot this year. But I mean, I'm, I'm trying just to wrap my mind around of, of the concept of Jose Altuve being a failing player. He's coming off a 31 home run season where he hit 298 and scored 89 runs with a 903 OPS. That's pretty good, especially at second base. Not a lot of guys doing that. I think Glaber Torres and him are very close right now in terms they're inter- close in terms of ADP, they're almost back to back, but also in terms of the kind of player they are. And uh, and at this point statistically speaking because once Altuve stops stealing bases, how different is he then um then Glaber Torres, not very. No. Uh, you look at the away splits. I'm going to say it one more time. He hit 13 home runs on the road last year. He hit 291 on the road last year, and he had a 500 slugging on the road last year. So I'm not worried about Altuve at all. I actually think he's going to the ADP is going to go down on him. He's going to more and more. There's this weird narrative with Altuve because nobody ever believed in the power. And I made a board bet with my boy Ariel Cohen, who's one of my black book people, <laughs> that. He said, there's no way Altuve hits 24 home runs again. And I said, I'll take that bet. So we had a bet and uh, he had to buy me a Jose Altuve Game of Thrones bobblehead. And it's sitting right here because guess what? He had 31 and that was with missing time last year. So the power actually went up. So I don't want to as as he's hitting, is he stealing less bases? The power is going up. But there is such a consensus in the fantasy baseball community that uh, Jose Altuve is too small to this. All these things that have always been the stigma on him. His ADP is going to fall. 
And I'm telling you right now, you should take him. You're not going to get stolen bases, but you're going to get average. You're going to get power. You're going to get run scored. You're going to get everything else that you possibly want. So to me, this is a player you still want in fantasy and keeper dynasty situations. If you want to start getting out of the business, I can understand. But look, I mean, he's still one of the best players in baseball. His ADP is going to fall. Take advantage of it. It fell last year. If you took advantage of it, you did well. Keston Hura is ADP is 43. So he goes 12 picks after Altuve. They play the same position. Uh, Hero with a lot less track record, but set the world and the fantasy world on fire basically from the second that he came up. Uh, the Brewers have no choice but to play this kid no matter what happens, Joe. They've lost a lot in the offseason. They did come back late and add Avicel Garcia and Justin Spoke. Eh, okay. Uh, Hero, will he have helium coming into March? Will he go higher? Will he go lower? Do you think this is where he'll be at? I think, and I think part, I mean, I don't think it's going to go much higher. I I just, I don't see that happening. Um, I'm looking at around the other players near him too. You're talking about the Ozzy Albies of the world. And that is right in that range. Um, Torres also in that conversation along with uh, Altuve. So you know, all these kind of usual suspects in that grouping. Here is terrific. Here to me was in the black book last year, the number one impact rookie that was the guy that we all said fancy wise is the guy you know he was the position player and paddock was the pitcher those were the two guys it's like if you want to go in on a rookie he's going to help you these are the guys and it took here a little while to actually come up then he came up and then they sent him down and everybody's freaking out why the hell they send this kid down <laughs> he's playing well and you know it's funny because you look at the profile and he stole nine bags he hit 300 we struck out 107 times in 84 games and he's not a complete product yet. He's a very good player. He's got good contact rates. He's got good pop. But for 2019, uh, 2020 redrafts, I would rather have Torres. I would rather have Altuve. I would rather have those guys because I think like most players in the second year, there is an adjustment where the league adjusts to you and you have to adjust back. So it's not that I don't love Europe. I think he's right where he is. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of push up for him barring injuries to Torres or injuries to Altuve ahead of him. Yeah, I, uh, I I like some of the other guys ahead of him, and that second year scares me sometimes with this player. I'm gonna it should. Up. There's enough uh, There's enough data that tells you it should. There is some data on that, so I probably won't end up with him, but I never want to rule a player out this early in the draft game because, again, his ADP drops to 50 or 60 in a draft that I'm in, or even an NL only, and I don't have a second baseman. It could be a possibility for me. All right, we'll continue the conversation with baseball coming up next. We'll uh, dive back into a little football. We'll preview some of the games this weekend. Also, Joe and I will take an early look at the NFBC as far as pitchers are concerned. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, also SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Great place to catch all of your information, both from a fantasy and, of course, wagering point of view. Make sure you catch all of our great shows, and they will help you win this weekend with the four NFL games and, of course, the Monday night college football game. But coming up next, we've got the best of the first hour, and then we'll dive into more football and more baseball in hour number two of Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia will be back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Sports Grid 
BetMGM.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. We had some other guys go off the board as well. There are not many left here, and there's not many like save situations, I don't think, left like there were when we did this, when we did this exercise. But Hector Rondon, who had a couple of good years with Houston, former closer with the Cubs, ends up going to Arizona. I suppose there's probably like a 20% chance that Rondon leads the Diamondbacks and saves. But I will say this. I like what Arizona is doing. I really think that this they have a chance to maybe win 90 games. I mean, adding Bumgarner, adding Calhoun, adding Rondon, they've done a good job, Joe. The Diamondbacks could be okay. I would not rule them out of anything. They, I mean, they trade Goldschmidt. It looks like they're, they're rebuilding, and they're right back where they were. Well, I think the Diamondbacks were more okay last year than people realize. And the, the they took a huge hit over the Goldschmidt trade because they didn't get enough. And I think everybody realized they, they had a choice to make. They could either take what they could get, whatever the market value was, or they could go into the season and run the risk of what if Goldschmidt gets hurt, what if he underperforms, and everything goes away. Now, part of the reason they are on the upswing is Cattell Marte and how good can he be next year. And Eduardo Escobar had a season that, look, two years ago I thought he had a good year, and I was like, well, okay, this is a nice player. And then he had a spectacular year last year, and you're wondering, okay, <laughs> where are we going with this? That's another guy that needs to be very polarizing. Well, Peralta's always been a good hitter. Oh, his problem is staying year, on the, Oh, my gosh. He was incredible. His, his, well, two years ago, he was incredible. Last year, he was hurt a lot. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today. <laughs> 